Well, welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program today. We are in Hebrews chapter 7, and we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ being a being made a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is a very exciting chapter because not only do we see Christ for who he is, but we see ourselves in him. And that's a a wonderful and a powerful revelation truth when we come to realize that uh, we have been made uh, in the image and after the nature of our Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. That means we don't accept worship. Our worship is God and God alone through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we have been made like unto him. And I think that's a tremendous truth that leads us to the redemption realities of who we are in Christ Jesus. And we're going to see that today as we as we come along and study Hebrews chapter seven. But before we do that, let's hear from the psalmist. Notice he writes, praise the Lord, praise O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. And aren't you glad that he is beholding us today? Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing upon the word of God today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, who leads us and guides us into all the truth. Speak to our hearts today through the word of God, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. All right. As I said earlier, we are in Hebrews uh, chapter seven, and this chapter concerns Uh, the study of the priesthood and concerning specifically about the superiority of the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ over that of Aaron. Amen. But in order for us to get a full import of the subject under discussion today, the subject we're studying, and that is the comparison of the priesthood of Melchizedek uh, to the priesthood of Aaron, and how the Lord Jesus was, uh, his priesthood was fashioned after the order of Melchizedek and not the priesthood of Aaron. Uh, let's just read, uh, there's uh, three different places, uh, Hebrews 5, 6, and 7. Now Paul is continuing his, his thoughts now concerning the, the priesthood of the Lord Jesus in these last three chapters. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Notice what Paul writes. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in the things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. Now this is talking about the Aaronic priesthood. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself but he receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Just as he says also in another passage, 
thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now we'll find that verse in Psalms 110 and verse 4, and we'll get to that as we go along. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. So we see here that the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ prepared him for an eternal ministry as that of our great high priest or a priest most high. Uh, Paul continues this thought in chapter 6. Let's go ahead and, and turn there and we'll read chapter uh, in chapter 6. But we want to reference, first of all, the Old Testament what the Old Testament has to say about Melchizedek, and we'll find this in Genesis uh, chapter 14, verses 17 through 20. Then after his return from the defeat of Kedet Laomer uh, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him a tenth of all. Now, I want you to notice how <clears throat> Melchizedek met Abram with bread and wine. In effect, Melchizedek was inaugurating this tremendous victory of Abraham over the kings of the east with the same two elements that the Lord Jesus inaugurated the night before his great victory over the God of this world when he offered his body, which is the bread, and, his, and the blood, which is the wine, in his death, burial, and resurrection, and after his ascension was made to sit at the right hand of the majesty on high. And now Christ is serving forever as the great high priest of our profession, the mediator now of the new covenant. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Oh, that should bless your heart. All right, now, Hebrews chapter 6. Notice beginning in verse 13. And when God made promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, the promise and the oath, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, 
made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So here we find our identification in Christ Jesus, not just in his death, burial, and resurrection, but also in his present day ministry as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and as our great high priest over the house of God. Amen. And the fact that the book of Revelation, the Apostle John tells us that we have been made a kingdom of priests and that we will reign with him. And we'll see that here as we go along. So not only do we see Jesus Christ as a great high priest, whose priesthood is a unique priesthood and an endless one, but we also see ourselves as members of that priesthood. Amen. And I tell you, if we'll spend some time ministering and meditating in this area, we'll discover this great redemptive truth of exactly who we are in Christ Jesus. All right. So now let's begin in verse one of Hebrews chapter seven. This is concerning Melchizedek, the priest of the most high God. Notice Paul writes and he says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So typical of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the king of righteousness. And we have been made the righteousness of God in him. He is also the king of peace. And we have peace. Remember there, remember uh, Romans chapter five, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see the similarities now, but there's other similarities. Now notice this, without father, this is verse three, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he abides a priest perpetually. So we see here in verse 3 that Jesus was not made, and, and of course we use these terms, Jesus was not made like unto Melchizedek. Melchizedek was made a, a type and a shadow of the Son of God who was to come. And of course we can understand that because Jesus Christ was with God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Amen. That Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So let's just go through these real quick. Notice uh, that uh, Paul, uh, he, he writes and he says that this Melchizedek is without father and mother. Well, that's so typical of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus was born of woman and even though he died upon the cross, you will not find in the New Testament, and maybe you can. I've looked. I haven't been able to. You will never find a place in the New Testament where Jesus calls Mary his mother. Others have called Mary the mother of Jesus, but Jesus never did. He always referred to his mother when he spake to her as woman, not as mother. And I think that's uh, very interesting how that... Uh, uh, that Jesus never referred to his, his Mary as his mother. And of course, we have in John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, notice this, Jesus on the cross, when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and this is, this is John's record, this is not Jesus saying, 
when John, therefore, when Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took unto her, I mean, took her unto his, unto his own house. Amen. So I think that's very important for us to see that. Now, notice that uh, Paul also says without genealogy. Well, we have two genealogies. We have the human genealogy of the Lord Jesus uh, and of his. uh, Actually, the two genealogies is one that follows the genealogy of Joseph. And then the other uh, follows the genealogy of Mary. Amen. But uh, but notice that Jesus did not come. Uh, as far as the Hebrew genealogy is concerned, yes, he followed that line all the way down to Joseph and Mary. But Joseph wasn't the father of the Lord Jesus, neither was Mary the mother of the Lord Jesus. We, we, we look at these two distinctions as father and mother, but we know that, uh, that Jesus' birth was a miraculous virgin birth, and it came through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think that's what, uh, what Paul is referring to. And notice it says, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Um, of course, there's no human record when Melchizedek was born or when he died. And uh, we know that Jesus, as the second person of the Godhead, had no beginning. He is. Amen. Praise God. And his end of life only has to do with the human nature, not with the, the nature as the infinite God-man. And then, of course, uh, Paul says this, made like the Son of God. So uh, the person of Melchizedek uh, is fashioned by Paul as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And the last distinction here is that he abides a priest perpetually. And what this means is that Christ has a perpetual, unchangeable priesthood. All right, now let's look at verse 4. Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have commanded in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, although these are descended from Abraham. Now, what Paul is distinguishing here is that the Levites, who were the ministers of the sanctuary, were commanded to collect tithes from the people. And always it is the greater who receives tithes from the lesser. And, of course, Paul mentions this in verses 6 and 7. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham. Remember, the superior receiving tithes from the inferior. And blessed the one who had the promises, but without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So we see here that Abraham recognized Melchizedek as someone who was superior to himself. And in recognition of that superiority, he gave to Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils of war. Amen. I think that's very important for us in this typical, this type of Melchizedek uh, being a type of the Lord Jesus Christ as our great high priest. Now, verse 8. And in this case, mortal men receive tithes, but in that case, in that case, one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. And so, and so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes 
for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So what we have here is we have that uh, a genealogical survey of the tribe of Levi coming out of the loins of Abraham. You know, Levi was the uh, son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. So we have that genealogical record according to the flesh. But what we're seeing here is that Abraham recognized Melchizedek and as being superior to him. And Paul is reckoning here that the Levites who came out of the loins of Abraham were also inferior in priesthood to Melchizedek. And of course, Melchizedek now is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 11 now says, Now if perfection as through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? See the distinction here that Paul is, is uh, stipulating in this letter? For when the priesthood is changed, of necessity there takes place a change of the law also. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. So you can imagine in the minds of the Hebrews Christians, the Hebrew Christians, they're looking at this letter and they're looking at Christ and Christ is being portrayed as, as the great high priest. But in, in the Hebrew, in the mind of the Hebrew Christian, he says, well, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. The priest only came out of the tribe of Levi. And we know that the Lord Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah. So so we are confused. What Paul is stipulating here is that Jesus is other than the tribe of Levi. He is other than the Aaronic priesthood. And that is so typical because when we look at Christ, we see him as so other than we are. He is a unique individual. He was not grafted into us. We had to be grafted into him. But before we could do that, we had to be, uh, we had to to have placed in us the 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 carrot the nature we'll say it that way the nature of Christ first before we could be grafted into him and of course that nature comes to us through the new birth and we receive new birth when we repent truly repent of our sins ask Christ to come into our heart and life and through the work and the operation of God we become the children of God and then we go ahead then and we make public confession that we have truly died in Christ, but we have also truly raised, have been raised to life again in Christ, and we have put on Christ now, and we make no provision for the flesh. So here we have our perfect identification in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just as Savior or Lord, but also as high priest, because the Bible tells us that we are a kingdom of priests, kings, we are a kingdom of priests. The King James says kings and priests, the New American Standard says a kingdom of priests, and that's the more accurate translation, a kingdom of priests unto our God, and we shall reign forever. Amen. Praise God. Now listen to what J. Vernon McGee says here. He says, we are not under the Mosaic law, 
the Mosaic law belonged to the Aaronic priesthood, where they offered bloody sacrifices. The Mosaic law and the Aaronic law, or rather the Aaronic priesthood, go together. The Lord Jesus came in the tribe of Judah and therefore could never be a priest here on earth. The priestly tribe was the tribe of Levi. The priesthood had to be changed since Christ did not come from Levi. He came out of the tribe of Judah. Of course, you know, Judah means praise. Amen. Praise God. And so we see the distinction here between the two. The Aaronic priesthood, the, the Levitical priesthood, is an inferior priesthood compared to the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, and it's just like the old covenant that was superseded by a better covenant called the new covenant. It's also necessary that the old priesthood be superseded by a better priesthood by the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by those who follow him, which is called the priesthood of believers. Amen. And of course, you know, the scripture tells us and Paul tells us that Christ was a forerunner. Notice in Hebrews 620, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this Greek word forerunner, actually the literal translation of this, uh, the definition of this word uh, means uh, a spy, <laughs> a scout, one who goes on before. So Jesus, our forerunner, Jesus, has shown us the way. He's the one that has gone ahead of us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And now because he's been raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the throne of God, has received this everlasting and unchangeable priesthood, he is the one who grants to us the surety or the guarantee of our covenant in Christ Jesus. Truly, it is in him that we live and move and have our being. Praise God. Amen. What a tremendous, tremendous truth. All right. Now, we're going to the second section of uh, this chapter 7. And this uh, section is entitled, The Superiority of Christ Made Forever a Priest After the Order of Melchizedek, verse 15. And it is yet far more evident that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment or a physical requirement, talking specifically of circumcision of the flesh, and the keeping of the law, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, that is a command that comes out of Psalm 110. And I'll, I'll read to you the first four verses. Notice, it says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And we'll see this verse of scripture later on in the epistle to the Hebrews that we're studying. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Amen. Talking about believers in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's tremendous. And the beauties 
of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord, verse four, hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is God's command given in the Old Testament concerning his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who he has ordained and ordered and sworn by commandment that he will be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So it's done. As we say today, it's a done deal. Amen. This was foreordained before the foundation of the, worth of, of the earth was ever laid. Praise God. Amen. So it is God himself who swore by oath and inaugurated Christ to be a priest, a great high priest, not after the order of Aaron, but after the, after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. So Jesus is the head of this new, new priesthood. If he's a priest, then he has to have priests underneath him. And guess who those priests are? It's you and me. And Peter states this. He stipulates this in his first epistle, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Notice he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's reading from the New American Standard. Amen. Uh, well, it, this, this truth cannot become any plainer than, than what we have already seen. All right, now verse 18. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. Talking about the weakness of the Old Testament concerning causing us or making us uh, to put on the righteousness of God. For the law made nothing perfect, but the, begin but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. Now, talking about the perfection of this priesthood of the believers in whom we serve under Christ, who is uh, perfect. Who, amen. Praise God. The old covenant was never intended to bring God's people into the new covenant. It, ha it had a point. And the Old Testament saints came to that point, but could not go any further. It took Jesus bringing us into perfection. Notice it says, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. See, the old covenant sacrificial system could only cover the sins of the people. And they had to be continually offered over and over and over again. Can you imagine the, the millions of gallons of blood that was shed in this Old Testament system of sacrifice? And how... That could not bring us into perfection. It took the blood of Christ to bring us to that place. Praise God. Oh, I tell you, this book is going to get, it's going to get more exciting as we go along. All right, so let's go ahead and read. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. Now, verse 20. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. That's very important. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
What a tremendous truth. Amen. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continues ever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Because we live forever in Christ, we will always be a kingdom of priests unto God. And we will always offer worship to him. Praise God. And of course, the sacrifice we offer is that sacrifice that was made on Calvary. Amen. A continual memorial feast unto him. Praise God. Amen. All right. Now, this last section, verses 25 through 28, we're going to be talking about the high priestly ministry of Lord Jesus Christ and how it's so typical of what God has brought us into through him. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for him. Once again, speaking of the high priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so when Paul says to the uttermost, he's talking about perpetuity. He's talking about without end. You and I have endless life in Christ Jesus. Praise God. It's not going to end. Now, this physical body will end one day. But notice, remember, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This high priestly ministry that we have entered into through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to continue through perpetuity. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Our our identification with God's kingdom and power is found in Christ Jesus, our Savior and our great high priest, who we in him have been made. Believers now, we have been made a kingdom of priests. For such an high priest became us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That is where our perfection lies. That's where God is bringing us to through him. Who needeth not daily as though high, as, uh, as those high priests to offer up sacrifice for, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law makes men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath, which was since the law, makes the son who is consecrated forevermore. Going back to what God wrote and what God said back in Psalm chapter 1, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we in him, we in him now, are an order of priesthood that will last throughout eternity. Praise God. What a tremendous truth this is. We find ourselves in Christ Jesus in this chapter. Father, we're so thankful that we have been grafted into the vine. Praise God. And the same life that is in the vine is the same life that is in the branches. Father, we glorify you for your tremendous work and we give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at 
BTC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.